Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. That's right. This is In Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are live. It is Tuesday, October 24th, 2017. I am Jay. Once again, Dre will be around shortly, I hope. He texted me, told me to get the show started again. So here we are recapping week seven in the NFL. Another wacky, wild week. Just when we think we've got things figured out, we get weeks like these to tell us that we don't know anything. This is the show that goes to 11, central time, that is. Still waiting for Dre to pop back up here. Phone keeps buzzing at me. Andre saying, go without me, go without me. Where to start in this wacky wild week? I mean, we had shutouts. We had, I believe, eight teams this week that scored less than 10 points. And with all the rules that, that, that say we should be dictating 30, what, for 30, you know, 35, 31 games and offense up and down the field, we watched a whole bunch of teams lay a whole bunch of dirty, rotten eggs. Not a very good week. Overall, it was a bit painful to watch. Uh, quite a few ugly games. We watched a we watched a uh, a Bears team beat the Panthers without scoring an offensive touchdown with a quarterback that went full on Chris Wanky through seven passes for the whole game. They still won the game. We had the Falcons in the fog and Julio Jones saying that the, you know the, the fans were making the fog. There must have been fog machines. Uh, the fans had in the parking lot. It's just crazy week. Dre, what do you make of it? Uh, am I being heard? Oh, you're here. No good. I have no. There's no problems when I when you seem to be getting in this way. Uh, this might have to be the way we do it for the time being. I don't know what is going on. Every time I log on to the show before the show starts, I can't be heard. I, I let you in, and then uh, I, I let you in. I start talking. You say nothing, which means you can't hear me at all. And uh, this has been a problem for the last couple of weeks now, and I'm going to have to do something to fix it. Well, tonight at least I, I started talking to you in the pre-show portion to let you know that I couldn't hear a word you were saying. Yes. Because usually you you I you know you let me in, I hear everything change. You know the audio changes going from waiting to. Am I still here? Uh, I'm still here. All right, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. okay. All of a sudden, I said I, I just got the the message on my screen that said I just dropped from the show, but I'm still here. Well, it's because I hung up the show from the uh, official page, which I didn't ah, think was okay. a problem. Okay. I think we're still recording. 
well, I'm talking to you and you're talking to me and I can hear you. And <laughs> we'll go with it. Okay. Oh, well, those of you are not connected, but I think we're still connected. I, I think we're good. All I did was drop the official host line, but I'm still on the, on the guest. We're both on the guest line, but yes, I think that's I think that's good. It it seems to be good enough. It's still giving me the the host. It says at the top host disconnected, but it still gives me all <laughs> of the the end episode and all the usual stuff. So yep. we'll see. Same screen. This is you know this is uh, always interesting. We've been doing this for what five years, and it it never. It never ceases to be an interesting experience, connecting and staying connected. And I remember we went through the whole thing with Skype for a while, mm-hmm. where it was that was the rock steady way to connect, and then they just completely dropped all the Skype connection. So okay. I mean, I'm the only reason I dropped the main line was because I was getting the double feed of myself in my ears. Oh. But uh, what I'm going to do is I, I lost the ability to do the switchboard at all. So what I'm going to do is dial up again and mute myself on the guest line, and then we'll see if I'll be able to be heard on the regular line like I'm supposed to. So okay. hang on. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Fucking thing. We'll do it live. Right. Fuck it. Do it live. Do it live. I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Okay. Hey. Fucking thing sucks. We'll do it live. Okay. Am I on? You are live. Well, that's good to know. Although I'm still hearing the double feed. Okay, I'm going to hang up my guest line now and stay live and see if that works. This just keeps getting better. This, this is like the week of football we just watched. Am I still on? You are. It's funny because I'm watching, I'm watching you drop and connect and, <laughs> and drop again and come back and it's fun. It really is. It, that was like the week of football that we just had. Just trial and error. Let's see if this works. Let's see if that's work. Oh fuck it. The whole thing yeah. sucks. Well, I've only got one question for you. Mm. How's it feel? Huh? How's, How's that it taste? feel? Yeah. How's that feel? That, that, we're that didn't taste good. That, that didn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, we got to find that one. Uh, tell me how my ass tastes. <laughs> that didn't taste good. That didn't feel good. That, that was uh, that was horrible to to go through. I'm sitting there just watching all of these games late go exactly the opposite of how I said they were going to go. There's uh, any number of different directions uh, that we can start. Um, that. Uh, Atlanta game against New England. So that's what a team looks like that gets all those jokes told about them ever since February is the butt of sport, the sports media, the sports world, all the fans, everything, everything building back up to going into New England and having some measure of respect by playing a much better game than they did in the Super Bowl. Winning the game, that's what I predicted. That's what I locked in. Obviously, it didn't happen. But just playing a better game, just having a better representation of yourself than what happened in the Super Bowl. And they didn't even do that. They actually played much worse than they did in the Super Bowl. And I'm at a loss. I mean, I know you picked New England, so you 
must have seen this coming somehow. I thought they'd at least have a much better showing of themselves than that. I saw a team that has struggled to, to do anything consistently. They had one good game this year. And that was that game against Green Bay, a team that they've somewhat owned over their last few meetings. I mean, they, they beat them twice last year. They beat them uh, pretty convincingly. So if you want to talk about having some confidence for a team coming to your building to open up your new stadium, you couldn't have teed that up any better for the Falcons than what they got on that, uh, in that week two on that Sunday night. Other than that performance, they haven't looked right. The, the offense isn't there. Julio Jones has scored his first touchdown of the season in week seven, and it was garbage time. The, their play calling makes no sense. The going for it on the rash of fourth downs, like fourth and longs. I mean, they went for a fourth and six right before halftime uh, when it was only 10 nothing. And end up not making it, not even close. And then the Patriots go down on a half of a field and get a touchdown to put that to 17. It was, the game was over. That was ball game right there. And That I was desperation. What was it not? Did yeah. you not see the same thing that I did, that, they, that the Falcons were feeling the pressure and felt like we have to start doing some ballsy moves oh, yeah. and making big plays right now? But desperation, it doesn't make for good play calling or the way to play your game. I mean, you're only losing 10 to nothing going into halftime. You know, punt the ball deep. If you're going to let the Patriots score on you, at least they're going to do it going, you know, 80-plus yards. You don't put yourself in that in that type of a situation going for it. I know they had gone for it earlier in the game on a fourth and seven, right around about the 40, 35, 40-yard 40 line. I, I didn't like the the tone that uh, they they looked they looked completely out of sorts. I I, I don't know what I, to make of it. The the running game is a like little bit there. I thought that, I wrote down in my notes that Atlanta got here to punt because well I mean they, it worked. They got the first down because Matt Ryan ran for nine yards, so it always looks great when it works. But right. at the time I was like, all right, they're not they're not here to mess around. They're not here to punt the ball. They're here to kick ass, take names, and win the game. And they finished that drive off by getting the field goal blocked. Yeah, no, there was there was nothing going for them. Nothing looked like it was going to go for them. I don't even think that the Patriots played all that great. They didn't need to. No. Why, why do you need to bring your A game when the other team isn't even close to bringing that? So I, I that's, that's, that's the completely thing. The Patriots are not good, coming. and we know they're not good. And the Falcons right. still couldn't compete with them. Oh, that's just terrible. That's that's a real big reason why I, I was so confident in the Falcons is that they were coming in. I said they are the Falcons are not what they were last year. They are certainly a notch below. But the Patriots are booty. The Patriots have been playing like ass all season, and, and they were ripe for the picking. So I thought. But yeah, I, there's something. There's there's it's more than just not playing. Well, it's it's some disconnection going on between Matt Ryan and his targets. When you can't hit Muhammad Sanu on a simple third and two, he threw wide early in the game for Sanu. He was throwing wide with a lot of his targets, uh, mis just misconnections. Julio Jones had to once again go up and make a great play to get a touchdown late. But other than that, they, they didn't seem to be on the same page. That's really sort of terrifying if you're a Falcons fan. Because if Matty Ice isn't connecting with his guys and it's just sort of hit or miss every game, whether there's going to be 
that offensive explosion or not, then what do you got? You're, you're back to the same old Falcons from before last year to just kind of throw your hands in the air and you, you don't know from one week to the next what you're going to get, and that's where the Falcons are right now, unfortunately, for them. Well, it's a complete regression. Matt Ryan is putting up offensive numbers that are on par with the offensive numbers he put up in his rookie season. So he's gone yeah. all the way back. He's doing this like total Benjamin Button style right now. I don't know what's going on. He's that's living not his career the backwards. Rollback that we want. That, that's not good. <laughs> no. So they've got to figure this out. Um, they've got the weapons. They're all there. Most of these guys are all the same guys offensively that were there last year. I don't know what to say. If this is just uh, Kyle Shanahan leaving and they've lost, that offense has lost its edge and it, you know, Sarkeesian's not connecting with these guys or the approach isn't there, the play calling clearly wasn't there, the approach clearly wasn't there. Three and three isn't the end of the world. I mean, you know, there's a lot of teams that are sitting around mediocre right now because most of the league is fairly mediocre league. right now. Yeah, so – Nothing, you know, we can't write anybody off. That nothing's over. You know, all you've got to do is catch some fire and catch it late. But I haven't seen anything that tells me that they're going to write the ship. No, definitely not writing them off, but just very worried about what was one of the best teams in football, the second best team last year. Uh, and, and what's worse is on the, the defensive side, they come out so fired up and it looks like they shot their wide. They were just they were hitting Brady early they were all jazzed up and getting it done and all of a sudden there's that awful interception that Brady throws I got erased by Adrian Claiborne roughing the passer because his helmet uh, lovingly grazed Brady on the side of his head and of course you're going to get the flag for that and it seemed like that sort of flipped it like Atlanta went from aggressive and getting Brady and here we go we're going to kick his ass and do what we did in, early in the Super Bowl last year to Okay, well, we got to back off a little bit. We got to be careful. We can't be too aggressive. We're going a little too hard now. And just that little bit of edge off, that's all it takes. Just that little bit. And then Brady settles in, uh, gets the, the little cute little jet sweep flip to Brandon Cooks for the first touchdown. And from there, it looked like he just settled in, had time, starts delivering those back shoulder throws and turned into Tom Brady all over again. That's the, the real killer to me is it looked like the Falcons are on their way to, okay, the offense isn't connecting and not clicking on all cylinders like it could be, but maybe later in the game against that terrible Patriots defense, they'll start clicking. Meanwhile, our defense is getting after Brady, kicking his ass and doing what we're supposed to do. Then you get that little rough in the passer flag, and it felt like everything sort of melted down from there. Yeah, I mean, that game got that game got thoroughly broken down um, on Monday. All the talking head shows, everything, all the recaps. What's wrong with the Falcons? This was, and and correctly, uh, for once in the media, they were making it more about the the loss for the Falcons than anything that the Patriots did. Because everybody knows, everybody looks at the Patriots and you know it smells the blood in the water. It, you know that they're not what they were. They can be had pretty much by anybody. And Atlanta basically squandered an opportunity to at least exact a measure of revenge. I mean, I know that that's what was expected of them, 
was to go in there and do that. But then after you see a performance like that, you're like, oh, well, what were we expecting? You know, now you can go right back to the 28 to three jokes. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that's the, the the disappointing part. Like I said, the Patriots are set up to get beat and Atlanta just came in and punked out and just did not yeah. show up the way I thought they were going to. Yeah. Well, you, you played your narrative. I looked at the, I was looking at what was happening on the field. The narrative wasn't going to carry that one through. I still think that there's, there's going to be a lot of talk about, uh, about the Falcons and, and are they going to recover and are they going to ever get back to what they were? I still think there's a little bit of getting over the uh, not completely getting over the Super Bowl loss, but getting past the rematch and all the hype from that. And they, they got the 28 to three signs in the stadium up in New England when they go in there. That part of it is is sort of over. I think the Falcons. I still think there's a little bit of a bounce back by the Falcons getting past this point, getting past this game. I thought they were looking forward to this game to sort of redeeming themselves, but I still think there's an element of the game is over. The whole Patriots thing that happened last February is, is past them now with the rematch. And now they can sort of focus on the rest of the season. Well, that would be good if they're able to do that. <laughs> it's, it wasn't pretty, it's very I mean, good. It was, it was a, you know, but, but not pretty was the theme of the weekend, wasn't it? God, it's some ugly football. How do you have three shutouts in the NFL now, when the defense can can barely blow on somebody while getting a penalty? How does that happen? I, yeah, and you look at the you look at two of the teams that threw those shutouts, the Jags and the Rams, and oh boy, here we go. We get to talk. We get to keep talking about Jaguars and Rams <laughs> football. We we keep wanting to we keep wanting to not do that or to keep expecting the other shoe to drop with those teams and then both of them go out and pitch shutouts. Uh the Rams go out and break Carson Palmer's arm. Of course on a pick. I mean oh, of course. Who breaks Santa Claus's Santa couldn't arm? go out any other way. Who breaks Santa Claus's arm? That's what I want to know. And then you have the Jaguars who go out and sack Jake Brisket ten times. The first team Again, with multi-ten-sack games in a year since the '84 Bears. Yeah, I mean that defense is legitimate. That I mean, it's one of the reasons why you and I both had them playoff bound. And do we? But we keep wanting to not believe it. So we picked them to make the playoffs, but then we both keep thinking, "Nah, this isn't real." Well, they're still inconsistent. Oh yeah. But this is what you're going to get with a team that's a bit up and coming. I don't quite expect that. This is uh, inconsistent is one thing, but the way the Jaguars play, when they win, they are romping. And when they lose, yeah. it's like, ugh, what, did, what, what was that? Ugh. Yeah, they're uh, definitely front runners. I mean, I think we'll both agree. I mean, this is not a team that we expect to come from behind very often, but when they get a lead – it's they don't let go. You want to stop talking about the Jags and the Rams, like we've said, but when you look at it, uh, the Rams are. I thought I clicked on uh, NFC here. I was looking at uh, point differentials earlier uh, in yeah. the day. Plus and those two teams, yeah, seventy-four for the Rams. 
okay. and 73 for the Jaguars. Those two teams lead the entire fucking NFL in point differential, the Rams and the Jaguars. And I don't trust either one of them. You know, I picked one of them to make the playoffs. Ugh, I don't know what to say about it. No, this Those is just become – Not the Chiefs. Yeah. No, Everyone's no. blowing the Chiefs the first month of the year. Not the Chiefs. They're plus 46. Not the Eagles. Everyone says they're the best team in football. They're 6-1. They're only plus 53. The Jaguars are plus 73. The Rams are plus 74. Not those two teams. But there's no explanation for that. I'm sorry. There's, there's just none. Well, and Blake Bortles throwing for 300 yards. Yeah. With the, yeah. <laughs> without, without Leonard Fournette. Yeah. I mean, the, the Colts are bad. I mean, let's let's – you know, we can't really mince any words there. The, the, the Colts are not a good team, but they've been showing some fight. You know, a lot of teams that were showing fight <laughs> did not show up. This late. The 49ers did not show any fight. And that, that was their mantra the last several games was, you know, just hanging, hang tough, but we're going to lose. The Colts were hanging around. They hung around against the Titans. They, they just keep, they won a couple of games. And then they show up and they do that. And they let Jake Brisket just get absolutely annihilated in the pocket. And if, if he didn't roll his way out, he would have had four or five more sacks if he wasn't mobile. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really bad. Well, the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers showed a lot of fight in, in knocking off the Cincinnati Bengals doing what they're supposed to do. So, no surprise. Bryson Brooklyn, welcome back to in much less detail the podcast. Your Steelers looking good. <laughs> it's like my it's like my timing is perfect, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? How you feeling? Hey, we were looking for a wellness check for you Great. for a while. Yeah, we were looking for that wellness check after that Bears after that Bears game. Oh man, <laughs> you know sometimes I don't get a chance to. Oh, it depends on when I'm home. If I can get on a show or not. But no, I don't duck. We could talk. We could definitely talk. We could definitely talk about that. I mean, the two losses for Pittsburgh, even the Jacksonville Jaguar loss. I know you guys were just talking about the Jags. Um, definitely respectable this year. Um, just, just, uh, just very undisciplined football. Bad coaching scheme. Um, and guys not playing up to their potential. You know, they had to take those losses. Those were games. You know, the Jaguar game. I'll give you. You know, they came and they were ready. I still felt we could have played better. That Bears game. We had no business losing that football game. But, you know, it just kind of goes to show that when you don't coach them up every week, you get out of scheme, you don't, you know, you're undisciplined against the run, that can happen to you. And it did. But overall, you know, Pittsburgh to me, as I said, is the clear number two in the AFC. I still think New England's number one because they're New England. But Pittsburgh is the clear number two, and then you can order it any way you want to after that. Yeah, the Steelers looked real impressive uh, against the Bengals. And, and I don't know uh, how you saw that game, Bryce, but Cincinnati came out aggressive. They came out, obviously, intending to compete. And Andy Dalton actually played well the first half as well. But it's like the, the Steelers, they're, they're slowly getting back to where they're supposed to be. You can tell Ben Roethlisberger is, is hooking up with his targets. You talked earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago about Juju Smith-Schuster uh, running some more routes and, and showing you a little more in the route tree. And he, he's getting his opportunities slowly but surely, uh, but it looks like they're they're starting to put it all together finally. Yeah, I mean, 
when I look at the team, I try to be sober-minded only because, you know, I think the team has the capacity to win a championship, but they have to do the things that they need to do to get past that team in New England. Um, these other teams, I think, you, you know, you have to compete every week. We know that. But, guys, it comes down to when, it, when the time comes, can they beat number 12? And I think they've geared up the team that can hopefully play their best at the end to do that. Um, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, I tell, I, mean, I tell people, don't trust the Bengals. We know them better than they know themselves. That team, people love to get enamored by them on paper. But when you start to examine that team, the way they match up with people, you know, right now it's not a team that's really built to withstand the injuries that Pittsburgh has gotten over the years, New England has gotten, but yet still be able to right the ship. It's not a winning culture over there. They, they really don't know. There are some fundamental things they've never been able to do against us. They can't run the football consistently. They can't establish the line of scrimmage consistently. We consistently run the football. Jerome Bettis once was quoted as saying, when you need to get the running game right, you play Cincinnati. <laughs> that's a, and that's a long time ago. So, you know, I mean, I mean, it's a good win, but I don't think that team is on the field as talented as people make them on paper. So let's see what we do secondary-wise against Matthew Stafford, who I think is twice as good as Andy Dalton will ever be. Um, I think he'll be the best quarterback we face this year so far. We got to be ready because he can put the he can make all the throws. So we'll have to see. Yeah, you had anything for Bryce Jason? We 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 missed him. We had a few weeks there. We were wondering uh, we were gonna have to send out a search party for you. We always <laughs> we always get worried after those ugly Steelers losses. You know that that the suicide watch is is in a full effect. Uh, oh, we know we, we know how we know how much you love those Steelers, but no, I, I the way I see it with the Steelers is. After Roethlisberger had that five interception game against the Jaguars, and everybody and their brother realized that that team was built around Le'Veon Bell in the running game, they went back to it. They, they were smart enough to start featuring him more and not putting all the burden on Roethlisberger. He he is, you know, we know what he is at this point of his career. He is statuesque in the pocket. He's a little he he was a gunslinger to some degree earlier in his career, but I don't think he's got that in him as much anymore. I don't think he's got the ability to force throws into tight windows like he could when he was younger. And we've seen him make some mistakes. So leaning on the running game is just going to make things easier for him. But that does for most quarterbacks. I mean, there's no quarterback's best, every quarterback's best friend is the running game. And the Steelers just happen to have one of the top, you know, two or three running backs in all of football. And they just need to feature him. That'll help them win a lot of games, I think, going into the fall and into the winter here. And I think they're in good shape. You're, nobody's going to go undefeated. You're going to go on the road. You know, Dre and I both had the Bears picked in that game. That that felt like a classic trap for the Steelers yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. going uh, going uh, out of conference on the road. Uh, you see this all the time. You know, the Jaguars, that one snuck up on us. We didn't see that bad of a performance from the Steelers, but that game was tight until all the interceptions started, you know, turning it around. So it ended up looking a lot worse than it was. And I fully expected, uh, I fully expected them to, to stomp the Bengals. Although, although Vontez Perfect did a little stomping of his own. Dre, didn't we just talk about <laughs> Vontez Perfect? within the last week or so here about not being heard from or seen and not in a good way. Um, and then he is heard from and seen. And of course, only the way he can in the worst possible way. So we, we just come to expect this now. We called it. 
<laughs> I said it on the last no. show. It's, Feels like every time there's a, a Bengal Steelers game that it's time for Vontez Perfect to do something to to draw a suspension or a fine from the league. Yep. That, that's that's the timing that he has. Yeah, he's he's a he's a clown. Um, but I yep. will have to I will have to disagree on two points that were just made. One is that you know despite how bad Roethlisberger played against Jacksonville, and he has been pedestrian. I would say those first four or five games, a lot of it, I think he just was missing throws, but a lot of it, I think, falls on Todd Haley for not helping his quarterback get him into a rhythm. I think Roethlisberger, when I watch him, he still can make every throw. I think his feet are still moving pretty well in the pocket. He's not as fast. So, but I just think the, you know, the style of play has to, the style of play has to be conducive to an organized offense. And this is my second, this will go to my second disagreement, which is I think number 26 is the best tailback in the league. And when you have the best, well, of course you, think you need to. Well, 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 of course, but I think his talent and his numbers and production, you know, I think they bear that out as well. I think a lot of people would agree he's the best. Definitely the best all-around tailback. If you don't want to say pure runner, maybe you can make an argument for other people, but the best all-around guy pass blocking routes, catching, running, and the whole nine. So you have, to, you have to feature an extreme talent like that, and that's fine because Roethlisberger is probably in style the closest thing to Elway we've seen, and Elway towards the end can still make the throws and move a little bit. But he had TD, and we've got Le'Veon. So let's feature him, and then let's – you know, I love the way Mike Tomlin talked about Martavis' situation today. It's like he ain't going nowhere. We ain't trading him. He wants the football more. I don't like the social media thing to call another teammate, but there's really nothing he said that's wrong in what he said, which is he is a more talented receiver than Juju. And a lot of it, again, I'm going to put on Todd Haley, who for some reason can't orchestrate an offense to get these number two, three guys more involved. Pittsburgh in 2001 had Cordell Stewart and ran the heck out of the ball and still had two 1,000-yard receivers and a guy with 100 grabs. So they could do it. He can use to sit and figure out how to organize the offense to become more imaginative. It's amazing to me they can't get 10 to football. It doesn't make any sense. I'd be pissed too. So I have no problem with him acting up. They're not trading him and he's not going nowhere. They'll deal with him and he's going to get better. And hopefully Todd can get these guys to football. Well, Bell is running as well as he's ever run right now as, as far as I'm concerned. And, and he is – playing like the best back in football and that'll definitely go a long way to keeping everything together. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, the defense well, and in shape, man, I mean, Joe Hayden can still, oh. can play. I'm not going to say Joe Hayden's a top three corner, but Joe Hayden is a good, good corner. And Artie's coming, Artie's coming up. They got the outside backers that are young. The defense is young and fast. It's harder to get yards in the air on Pittsburgh this year than it's been in a couple previous seasons. So, Let's see. This defense is coming into shape. Watch out for them. We'll see what they do Sunday night uh, against Detroit. Bryce, thanks for checking in. Thanks, guys. Always good talking some football. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Always good to hear from Bryce in Brooklyn, the biggest Steelers fan in the world. He could he could spend the whole show breaking them down. Yeah, you gotta you gotta love that just the the raw unabashed homerism that we get from Bryce. <laughs> But he always hey, loves his team. I mean, that's what the, you know, we we are not able to project that because we are trying to stay as 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 even keeled as we can when it comes to picking these games. Because the pick in the games and love for our team 
that's a dangerous, you know, that's a slippery slope. You don't want to go there. Uh, you don't want to be, you know, the super fans. You know, if anybody remembers uh, the Saturday Night Live skit with the, with the Bear fans, you know, with the Bears, you don't think, uh, you know, Bears going to yeah, win uh, 88 to <laughs> negative 10. Uh, you know, I, I can <laughs> upload that too. The Bears. Yeah, yeah that's can't, right can't in. go there. Can't go there when no. we're talking, you know, point spreads and, and betting the game and um, uh, things along those lines. They're just they're just trying to to break down what we're seeing. I I I've, I was on record. I, I don't think either one of us. I know I know Bryce was was hammering on some people who think that the Bengals are are all that. But I, you and I clearly are on record as not being those guys. I had Tennessee to uh, to at least cover the number. No, I I yeah. definitely had them out of the playoffs no. and getting their coach fired, and then you have them missing the playoffs as well. Uh, but I thought they were competing because their coach their coach should have been fired two years <laughs> ago. Correct. Uh, but I thought they were competing in this game and stay close, and they did compete. But in almost stereotypical Bengals fashion, the moment the heat got to them and the moment the Steelers started executing and playing well, they start getting chippy and dirty and losing their discipline. And discipline isn't just in the form of uh, kicking guys in the head when they're lying on the ground. I'm talking about discipline in, in game as well uh, because they started committing some bad pass interferences on deep balls. They started leaving guys wide open. It was, they weren't playing like that the whole game. They just started playing like that after the Steelers, you know, again, it's sort of like when the bully gets hit in the mouth, he starts shrinking backwards. That's what happens. The, the, the Bengals have been a bunch of bullies for years now. And once the Steelers started standing up for themselves and hitting him in the mouth, they started running in with their tails between, t- between their legs and becoming undisciplined and looking like a typical Marvin Lewis coach team. And that's on me. That's, that's one of 10 terrible calls on me this week. So they, there's a lot of company there. But uh, that uh, was that was awful. And you, the you know, I gotta say, you had two more losses staring at you that you avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Jets, with the Jets coming back to force a push, or mm-hmm. the Dolphins coming back to force a push on the Jets, and as the 14. score did not indicate it, the score didn't indicate it. But with seven minutes left to go in the game, I still had the Packers in the points uh, with seven minutes left to go yeah. in that football game. That's true. It could have been worse yeah. for you. You, you. you could have been looking at you could have been looking at two eleven and one this week, but instead you get a three ten and two. I I really want to brag hard about the one game that was never in doubt that I won, which was against your lock of the week. But because the rest yeah. of my week was so shitty, I can't brag. I can't even brag that hard about it. But yeah, the Cowboys. You know, and it's, and it's hard game. because I believe we both shit all over each other's locks of the week. Mm-hmm. And and they wound up getting shat on, shat shat over and shat on, and and yeah, we both were correct in shitting on the other one's lock. So that it was it was one of those weeks. But yeah, we you both definitely out like that. Oh yeah, you definitely outpaced me at six, seven, and two on the week. I was a, a putrid three, ten, and two. The lofty, lofty weeks that I had earlier in the season and and the percentage seven twenty seven after week three and I am five thirty five. What a tumble! You said I was going to come back to earth, and I didn't yeah. know it was going to be this hard this quick. Whew. 
Yeah, it evaporates quick. This is this. I'm telling you, this is very humbling. What we do, the we know life comes at you I mean, fast. <laughs> I mean, 500 is the gold standard. 500 or above is you're doing really well. You're still doing really well. <laughs> it's just <laughs> you started off so hot out of the gate. You know there was there was nowhere to go. I mean, what is it? It's better to burn out than to fade away. <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess we're trying to. You know, which one are you doing right now? Are you burning out or are you fading away? <laughs> Um, this feels like a burnout as fast as I'm going down. 20 games over 500 after three weeks, down to seven games over 500 yeah. now on the season. So I've lost 13 games over the last four weeks. Uh, and I, all I can do is, is try to turn around. I know what I'm going to do in preparation for this week's picks and starting uh, at the end of this live show when we have to pick the Thursday night game is I'm definitely going more statistical and analytical and, and trying to break things down on paper because calling them like I've seen them uh, in the air or what I've seen from each team over the air on television so far hasn't worked because so many teams are so damn inconsistent. Yes, I'm putting all the blames on all the teams. It's all your fault for being inconsistent yeah. NFL. All your fault why I can't pick these games anymore. Ugh, and what a what a what a perfect gift for you for your first Sunday off. Good God, just some awful, awful football. So did you um, wait, wait a minute? Does does that mean? I have to ask. Does that mean you had to watch that Titans Browns game? That was so unappealing that I didn't watch the game. It was, I, I, that was the only game in this market at noon central time. And instead of watching, instead of hunkering down on my first Sunday off, and I don't know how long, <laughs> instead of watching the Titans and Browns fumble and stumble around to a 9-9 score and going to overtime, I actually chose to spend time with my wife uh, have a, a little late breakfast and and oh we watched a movie we watched uh, some movie called Girls Trip or Girls Vacation or something like that some uh, one of those uh, all female ensemble movies for for the black crowd so you know it was basically bridesmaids for black women and uh, it was it was alright it was kind of funny uh, but yeah that's that was my choice was uh, Titans football versus the Cleveland Browns or a, a girly movie with my wife, and I chose the, the girly movie happily. That's terrible. You you got the <laughs> first Sunday off, in, in who knows when, in how long, mm -hmm. you can sit down and you can watch football, and the game that you have to watch is so putrid and unappealing that you watch I took an El Paso. I wow. Did. I, I chose to take an El Paso on that, yeah. You didn't miss much. I, I will tell you that. I didn't think I was going. All to. I, all I know is I won that pick. Don't ask me how. <laughs> it was terrible. I actually was half expecting to blow that pick when that game went to overtime. In that I was expecting the Browns to do something so stupid that they let the Titans get a touchdown, so that would yeah. become a six-point Titans win. Like a lateral. Yeah, so I was actually, I, Backwards, oh, yeah. it comes up being a fumble, yeah. and the Titans pick it up and oh. run it in or something. Oh, yeah. Like Cam Newton threw. Just like uh -huh. that. 
Um, just like that. No, I half expected. I half expected it to go that way. I found myself secretly wanting the Browns to just miss the field goal because I had the pick. <laughs> just miss the field goal at the end of regulation. You know, at that at that time frame to tie the game. And so, because I'm good. I yeah. had it. It was nine six. I, I didn't need anything else. I just I, I didn't care about the outcome of the game. I just wanted to win the pick. And I'm glad I did because I sweat. I sweated out a few of them, but that was definitely one of the ones that I, I sweated out. So at least there was some intrigue at the end of that, because um, after the the local broadcast game here was over, and after that Packers Saints game was over, I switched over to Red Zone. And because that game went to overtime, of course, it was getting quite a bit of coverage. And uh, yeah, what terrible football! And Cleveland has they have no clue. There's a point with the third starting. He should just get fired. Him and God, <laughs> just fire him. Third starting quarterback in three weeks. You put all three of those guys together, and you don't have one starting quarterback. Unless the Brownies have a bye this week, I have a feeling we're going to be highlighting them with with oh Halloween coming up here. Oh, is this uh, this this Saturday going to be the Halloween show? Oh, that's right, it is coming up. Um, that's right. I will. Uh, there is uh, the the worst team of the six on by, I would say, is probably the Giants. So, thankfully, we won't have to talk about them. Um, and then uh, Interception Santa uh, coming back from England, they're on by as well. So, we'll get to avoid talking about them. So, no, the Browns will be playing the Vikings on Sunday morning from oh. London, your favorite, the old <laughs> Sunday morning game. Game that nobody in their right mind should oh, watch. Oh, my God. Yeah, that that's that's pretty bad. Oh no, we've got some we've got some uh, opportunities here. We could talk Colts Bengals on our next show. Oh. That'll be a good one. Good God. Oh yeah, uh, this is gonna be Atlanta be a fun and the show. Jets might be uh, might be a it's pretty bad. Discussion. that Falcon, Falcons Jets could be in the in the discussion um, because we're not talking about good games this week, and it's that's sad because there are good games now. People who don't know the format of the way that show works. We usually will do this sort of tongue-in-cheek picking uh, the bad games in highlight, but then the games that we kind of gloss over after that we'll usually go back and revisit <laughs> in a little bit more of a, a free-form <laughs> way in the after show so that it won't be a complete, like, we're not going to talk about the really good matchups um, this week. We will still do that. It'll just probably get pushed off into the after show. But in uh, deference to Halloween, we will pick the spookiest games of the week and make them the, the highlight games and break them down in, in greater detail. And then that'll serve as sort of the uh, putting them to bed. Because after that, we're not going to talk the Jets much the rest of the season. We're certainly not going to talk the Browns much the rest of the season. And yeah. uh, so that, that sort of serves as a way to sort of wipe the palate off of a handful of teams that we know are yeah. pretty much eliminated from the playoffs now, even though they're not mathematically eliminated. It's almost, yeah, it's kind of a way for us to give a, a fitting send off to teams that we just know that here on out, we're just not going to be given a whole lot of love to unless they do something utterly ridiculous. You want to contact the show. If you're a Steelers fan or not a Steelers fan, it doesn't matter. We take any and all communication uh, you can send us an email at any time. You'll send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can send Jason a tweet at IMLDJTG. You can send me a tweet at IMLDDre. 
You can always check out our picks on the blog. The blog site is in much less detail.blogspot.com. You're listening live on blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. To listen to this show as a podcast, which means you get this live portion and an after show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any number of podcasting apps or websites. Or you can come back to the live show page and check out the archives. Yeah, I'm glad for Bryce to, to fill up 10 or 15 minutes talking about the Steelers because that means less time that I have to spend talking about my 3 and 10 week. I'm glad to not have to discuss that <laughs> as little as possible. Um, three different teams get shut out. Uh, Blake Bortles, a 300-yard passing performance. John Fox, once again, authors a victory with his yeah. starting quarterback basically not there. He could have had 10 guys on the field on offense pretty much uh, the entire day as much as he used Mitch Trubisky. And they still find, <laughs> find a way to beat the Panthers and, and handle it at that. Uh, I, I don't know where else you want to go uh, the rest of this breakdown show but there's just there's just so much stuff going on that you just i don't have any explanation for i don't, I don't know what to make of half of the things that's going on in the league right now yeah that that bears panthers game was really weird but i started thinking about it and i realized you know especially after you saw the way the trubisky was being hidden but the defense was making all the big plays isn't this isn't this the john fox blueprint I mean, is John Fox molding the Bears into one of those teams like he had with the Broncos where he just, you know, the offense just don't just get out of the way and let the defense make the plays? And it's it's starting to feel like this is the stamp that John Fox is putting on the team. He's setting football back four decades or more. Oof. But if you when you look at the team's talent, and they've clearly made the decision that the defense is where the where the talent much 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 is much better because they've been playing so much better on defense. This is the this is what we're gonna get, and they're hanging around. Not only did John Fox author a game that reminded you of those old Broncos teams, but there's a game that uh, we talk about in passing throughout the years because of how legendary it was for how ugly the quarterback play was. And that's a Panthers win uh, back on Christmas Eve, 2006, where Chris Winkie uh, threw four of seven passes for 32 yards in that game. And that was the winning quarterback. So there was that game. There was, uh, because I actually brought that up in the intro while you were disconnecting and uh reconnecting and I get into the intro and I was talking about the Chris Winkie game. And uh, the Bears pulling that out with Trubisky because it was funny because they both attempted the same number of passes. I believe it was seven (laughs) um, in that game. Four of seven for 102 yards, yes. I'll give you that. It's a hell of a yards per attempt. (laughs) This is true. Um, 14, 15 yards per attempt almost. That's pretty damn good. So there's Winky winning a game, uh, completing four passes. There's Trubisky winning, completing four passes. The Trubisky win was the first time a quarterback won completing four passes or fewer since November 13, 2011. Tim Tebow was two of eight for 69 yards in the touchdown as Denver knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs. I posted was John this Fox article. Was the head coach of all three of those teams? 
I posted this article from NBCSports.com from Pro Football Talk on my Twitter. John Fox was the head coach, indeed, for all three yeah. of those games. Um, yeah, I, I didn't read the article, but when you said, you know, Wanky, mm-hmm. Tebow, there is a blueprint. We're on to something here, although NBC, NBC Sports has clearly copped this um, before us, but it felt that way when I saw that when I saw the result, I was like, yeah, this just feels like this is the John Fox way. It it's very it's familiar, ugly. didn't it? It's horrible to watch. It's not compelling football, but when you look up the scoreboard, I mean, that's it. That, that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's it. John, John Fox. knows how to win a game without a, having a quarterback on his roster that he trusts. That, that's a skill, I suppose. Hello? You play to win the game. That's all that matters, that John Fox won the game with a quarterback he didn't trust to throw more than seven times. And, yeah, it's it's what he does. He's a defensive coach, and if you don't give him a quarterback that he believes in, he is going to rely on the defense and the running game and the hell with whoever the quarterback happens to be. You were on – okay, so are you still on the – are you still on the John Fox is getting shit canned after the season? Yes. Okay. <laughs> they think they might want to bring in someone with a little offensive mindedness is what you're saying. I think they might want to bring in a coach who isn't a politician. That's my big thing with John Fox is that he's always trying to get power behind the scenes and trying to move this piece over here, move that piece over there. And he's, he's, all about trying to make sure that he's still the kingpin and his lieutenants under him are, are in the correct place. He doesn't give a damn about the team, quite frankly. He's all about himself and trying to protect his bottom line and, and how, however many wins that he can get as a coach. That's all he cares about. That's why he does these things with these quarterbacks that he doesn't like or care about and goes out there and says, basically, do not throw the ball at all and we're going to try to win without you. What other coach tries to do that? Fox has successfully pulled it off three times, but who else even tries to win a game in the NFL, the way the NFL is set up today, where quarterbacks have so much power and so much ability to do whatever they want. When all else fails, just throw it up as as high and hard as you can and try to get a pass interference call and try to turn the tide of the game, just like Tom Brady did on on Sunday night. Uh, He doesn't even want that to happen. Just don't do anything. And I'm going to try to win the game using defense and running and nothing else. That's because John Fox cares about nothing but trying to, hello, trying to win the game. And that's in one way admirable, but at the same time, I just feel like he's a selfish individual and is always out for uh, trying to find the best angle to make John Fox look good and make John Fox's record look good and, and nothing else matters. Trubisky probably needs to throw a hell of a lot more than that to develop as an NFL quarterback, because yeah. otherwise you can keep fucking Mike Glennon in there if you're going to yeah. have Trubisky drop back and, and, and hand the ball off to the running backs. What's the point you of just playing? Totally, you just totally stole my point, which is why did they make the change again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously it's – I mean, Trubisky's not out there just shitting the bed and, and throwing the dumb picks and, and not moving the offense, but he's not doing anything. Four for seven. Yeah, butt fumble going through and that. Then, and they won by two touchdowns. 
Well, Eddie Jackson had a lot to do with that. But yeah, and and I and I sort of talked about the Bears defense scaring me when I made that pick of Carolina, yeah. and the Bears defense is kind of scary. They're they're right up there with New Orleans as far as making plays. It's the only reason I picked them. Um, also, the the you know at home they've been incredibly tough. I mean, you look at they hung an L on the Steelers. They should have hung one on the Falcons. Yeah. They have been they have been good enough. I'm not going to say good. <laughs> I don't want to strain my credibility. You know, it's already hurting enough with the season I'm having here. I just they've been they've been good enough at home to cover numbers and, and sneak out some wins and, and here, here they go again. Here they go again. Evan, uh, hey, uh, they matched their win total from last year in week seven. That's that's not a, a big goal there. Um you uh you saw uh well I'm assuming you saw the Packers Saints game. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Trubisky with the four or seven, or, or Brett Hundley doing what he did, which was uh, which was less impressive to you. I was once once again. I don't mean to pile on here, but I'm <laughs> I'm once again throwing this all completely on Mike McCarthy. They are that's a team the Packers that's winning at halftime, makes zero adjustments and played scared with their quarterbacks during the entire second half and fell back even the end with Aaron Jones having had one hell of a game again, a real running back. And what do they do in the second half? They go into this completely predictable play scared, run on first down, run on second down, throw on third down punt. And that was the Packers way of doing things. Almost the entire second half, there was no creativity to the offense. They didn't put uh, Brett Hundley in motion. They didn't have him try to use any of his athleticism. It was, and Mark McCarthy after the game said it was all on him. He's like, hey, this is my guy. There's a reason why we've kept him around for three years, which was all of the points that I was making about why I liked the Packers moving forward with Brett Hundley. And I saw a team that coach scared and uh, deserved to lose that game, even though with seven minutes left to go, they were still up by two. Yeah. And the uh, Saints, uh, the way I saw those highlights was that it looked like Aaron Jones and Brett Hundley both started well, and then yeah. the Saints veterans finished the game. They they took over, and, and Hundley couldn't answer back. Some of those throws he was making was like, what are you doing? What? But a so, lot of those, a lot of the throws that he was making were in predictable passing situations, exactly the thing that I talked about the week before about what happened when they put him in against the Vikings, and they fell into this rut. Uh, you can't put a basically rookie. No, he's not a rookie, but he's pl- he's starting his first game. He's right. pretty much a rookie, even though he's been in the league. He's learned behind Aaron Rodgers, but he's basically just played a lot of practice. He's running with the twos a lot or the threes or on the practice squad. You cannot put guys that are trying to survive you know, playing for the first time in predictable passing situations, especially, I mean, the Saints defense isn't great, but man, the Packers made them look great because, excuse me, it was, it was basically telegraphed. Here's what's coming. I'm putting that on coaching. All right. Fair enough. Um, Yeah, you, I definitely agree with you. You can't have a first time starter and someone with that little experience 
in a situation where a defense can pin its ears back and just get after you because they know it's, it's a passing down. You, you have to avoid that. You have to be more creative than that. And, and you're long on record with your criticism of, of Mike McCarthy, the coach. And there it is, they rearing its no, ugly head again. They make no halftime adjustments. They just don't. Man. I think when well, you see a team that comes out looks good early, and, you know, that's during that scripted phase. They, you know, and it seems like once they get past that scripted phase, if it wasn't Aaron Rodgers getting teams to jump off sides or catching them with 12 men on the field or, you know, dancing around in the pocket, you know, because the crappy offensive line broke down again so that he could make some miracle throw down the field, that was their offense. I, I've been on record as well about the, the just the lack of sustainability in that offense. And we were both on record this year basically saying Aaron Rodgers is a ticking time bomb waiting to get killed. Yeah, and yeah. it's and really it happens sad because they've got their, they've got the talent to compete every year. Yeah, in a league now that's starved for quarterback play, we just lost Aaron Rodgers, Carson Palmer. It looks like we had lost Derek Carr to a broken back. Um, you got teams not scoring. You know, eight teams didn't score more than ten points. Three teams got shut out. It's not pretty right now. So starved that the Dolphins had to go get Jake Cole out of retirement. Now they've lost him. So yeah, and then their offense completely turns around after he gets hurt. Speaking of Jake Cutler and the Miami offense, Segway. nice segue there. That's <laughs> called it. Thank you. Uh, turning around under Matt Moore once he got another leading a comeback victory over the Jets to get a backdoor push, and I was very grateful for that. You needed now the Dolphins. It. <laughs> I did. Now the Dolphins get on a plane, make the steep trip on the short week to Baltimore to take on the Ravens on Thursday night football. Uh, wide receiver injuries. Looks like Devontae Parker may return for the Dolphin game. Looks like Jeremy Macklin may return for the Ravens. They're both sort of game time decisions. Mike Wallace got concussed on Sunday. He probably won't play, but they haven't announced that yet. The Dolphins are 4-2, and 2-1 two, two and one on the road. The Ravens are one and two at home, and the cop-out line is in effect. Miami plus three at Baltimore. Yeah. Who you got? Well, it's it's hard to think that if the Dolphins win this game, they'll be five and two. As shitty as everything had gone <laughs> for that team, we could be looking at a five and two Dolphins team, and that's what I'm going to pick. Matt Moore looked like the more deserving quarterback on the field after Jay Cutler got hurt. He looked like he he's been there. He looked like he knew the offense, had a concept of what he wanted to do, and I got the sense that he was motivated. I got the feeling that he wanted the job all along. It's like, hey, guys, it should have been me. I think he's playing so that Jay Cutler doesn't come back. I'm going to take the Dolphins straight up. A little bit on the, the narrative and, and what you see on the field for that pick. I'm, like I said, going – to the analytics and seeing if I can break things down that way since it's been so terrible for me lately. We'll try this. The last three games, the Miami pass defense has gone from giving up 8.2 yards per catch to 7.3. They've shored that up very nicely. The Ravens are running a little worse down uh, in running and also giving up a little more in the ground game. They are now last in the league in run defense in yards per game. I will agree with you and take the road team Miami Dolphins on the road on the short week over the Ravens. More on our after show when we come back. 
now into the VIP after show program. Yeah, the uh, all the trends to me look like they're going for the Dolphins and against the Ravens. And Joe Flacco continues to be an awful, awful quarterback, uh, which makes me feel <laughs> a little better about this pick as well. And let's not forget the last time we saw Matt Moore was his, was he has dumplings moment uh, in the playoff game against Pittsburgh, the game he never, mm-hmm. the game he never should have come back into. But up to that point was playing very well. That's true. So Who knows what I, he's got in the tank. Saw, I saw, even though, and, and immediately he came into that game and threw a pick six, puts them down 14, and still brings them all the way back. So it's like he gets the rust off, but I saw, I saw downfield action. I know the team was losing, but if Jay Cutler was out there and they were down by 14, he still would have been throwing – Five yards. He was very comfortable with Adam Gase apparently throwing nothing but checkdowns and five yard throws. And uh, Matt Moore was out there. He was dealing. He had a hell of a game. He looked motivated. I, I can see that he's basically playing. He's either he's playing for money. You got to figure, even if they're not going to have him be the starter going forward, he's playing for somebody in this league. Matt Moore could probably start for quite a few teams. In this league, no doubt about that. And the thing about color under Adam Gase is I was one of the people thinking that color would have some success under Adam Gase because of what he did in Chicago. And uh, because what they did, this is a lot of what they did in Chicago was a lot of shorter throws. And I was excited about it because those shorter throws resulted in less mistakes and less uh, interceptions interceptions and less bad Jay Cutler play. Well, what's happened is everyone's adjusted over here uh, in Miami and those shorter throws are still happening, but they're getting stopped and there's nothing else going on. There's nothing opening up later on downfield for Cutler. And then the bad mistakes come anyway, even though they're, he's throwing shorter, everyone is, is adjusting to that and playing tighter and playing up and the receivers aren't able to, get the separation that they need to get. And those mistakes are still being made by Cutler, who uh, as much as I try to defend him, and we both have tried to defend him. He's, he will still make some mistakes for you uh, if you give him the opportunity. And and I've always admitted that too. It's not like I've been uh, completely blind to what Jay Cutler is as a quarterback. I've just tried to let everyone know to be fair and, and see that he does a lot of good things as well. He was, he was a good sometimes very good NFL quarterback for a number of years. And, yeah. uh, but he's also very uh, mistake prone. And, and we, we saw that with Miami. So I, you sound like you think Matt Moore is about to go on a little bit of a run. And if you, uh, if you're, if we're both right on this pick, like you said, I would put Miami at five and two, they're going to be primed to, for another playoff spot. If they, if Matt Moore does make another run, like you say, he will They're it was surprising they made the playoffs last year, and they might do it again this year. I believe we both had them in the playoffs this year. So that it would be that, you had them in right? the playoffs this year. I, I don't okay. think I you did. Okay, all right. Uh, I did. I had them. I had the Dolphins and the Jaguars as my wild card teams. So all right. It's, hey, all right. Hey. hey. Five and two, and playing as bad as we've seen them play, and winning, winning ugly. I, I don't think anybody's winning more ugly than the Dolphins and the Titans right now. 
<laughs> oh, those tight. Oh, my goodness. Um, that is straight up winning ugly. And you, you appreciate that term, being a White Sox fan. Uh, but that is – that's what we're seeing. But the Titans are 4-3, and three, right? They're in it. I watched the overtime of that. Um like I said, I skipped the whole Why? regular part of that game, but it was on. It was, football was on, and I because you were probably expecting the late. You were probably expecting the afternoon game, but overtime was on. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready for the three thirty games. Uh, it, it was almost old. It, it was almost like a reflex. If it's three o'clock, I got to turn on the late games because in our old age, we remember when the late games didn't start at three twenty-five; they started at three o'clock. And it yep. didn't matter if the early games were still on. It was time for the late games to start. They all started right. at 3 o'clock. Um, so, yeah. And about the early three game went to I, overtime, you missed the first quarter of the late game. <laughs> That's right. So I sort of instinctively turned on the TV at 3 o'clock uh, to get ready for the late games, even though I knew the late, the late games weren't necessarily starting at 3. They they spread those out. Some of them started at 3. Some of them started at 3.15. Some of them started at 3.25. Yep. So they really – 3.25, uh, you got it. They really spread those start times around. But no, I watched the overtime of the Titans uh, Browns, and the only impression that I got is not a good one for the Titans. The only impression I got was, wow, the Browns really can't stop the run. <laughs> I don't know if they were doing that all game, but uh, the Browns have one thing going for them from what I could see, and that is they, they do seem to be pretty stout up front on defense. So that that's something. They, that's one, they got one thing going for them, which is nice. I, but all so I'll, but the only good thing I can say about the Browns. Okay, sure. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's the only impression I got watching that overtime. So Otherwise, it's taken us this long. Crash. I I was yeah. uh, we we waited till the after show to finally bring this up, but my quest to shit all over the season of the Philadelphia Eagles failed miserably. Yeah, and I did not stop the train. I, I couldn't do it. And now that team is three and a half games clear of the whole division, and we're in week seven. That division is over. Poof. But what does that mean about the Eagles? What are your honest impressions of the six and one Philadelphia Eagles who are getting talked up this week by many, many, many people as the best overall team in football? But they're gonna be. They're gonna say that just because they're six and one, and everybody else is five and two. So they're the only one-loss team. So well, therefore, they must be the best team in all football. I, I don't know. I mean, they've they've played well. I, I don't know. I mean, in the NFC, I guess anything is possible. I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now for the NFC. I mean, you just look at the teams and where they are. You know, the South is crap. The West is a mess. You know, we basically have that's a two-team. I guess that's a two-team race now between the Rams and the Seahawks. Oh, my God. Hmm. Um, and the North, you know, I, I hate to, to say that I was on board with the Vikings and they're going to sort of win this division now by default, but you got to figure the Packers are going to slide. The Lions aren't that great. I don't think the Bears are going to present a real challenge to the Vikings. So we're starting to see a playoff picture emerge. Um, I don't think Drew Stanton's going to make the Cardinals relevant. That's why, I mean, we're talking, you know, other than the South, 
where I think that's the most wide open division in the NFC. You know, there's only a two game spread from first to worst. Everybody's kind of clumped together. You know, we, there's f- deep, deep flaws with every single one of those teams in the South, the Saints, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Bucks. All of those teams have problems, but all of them also have, you know, high highs. Those are the, that's the division where yeah, teams have these incredible highs and these incredible lows. And you're going to just every team in that, in that division has a hell of a ceiling as well. <laughs> right. So every, everybody, so I don't think we're going to really see that even start to take shape for the next five or six weeks. We're probably going to be the other side of Thanksgiving before we even really start to get a sense of the South. Cause I, it, it's going to, I don't know somebody just goes on an amazing run and puts distance between them and the rest of the division, which I don't see happening because of how clump and clump to clustered everybody is together. I guess you have to give it to the Eagles. I'll at least say right now, they look like the best team in the NFC. Um, and I would put the Vikings as a very close second with the Rams, I guess the way they've played maybe right behind them. I hate to give it to the Rams, but, um, and I, maybe they'd be higher if if either one of us had any trust in them. Well, I don't trust the Rams. <laughs> I don't trust Jared Goff. I, we don't know what we're going to get. Their coaches, you know, just hit puberty. I'm interested to see what we're going to get out of the Rams going forward, but I trust the Eagles and the Vikings a little bit more. And I may go back and forth between my one and one a or one and two there with the, with the Eagles and the Vikings, because with the Vikings, we know what they're bringing. We know they are bringing punishing defense. They're, they're just going to suffocate people. And uh, they may long-term, I think have an inside track as we start to get into the weather here. I, I don't know how much I trust the Eagles. I tried to end it. I was unsuccessful but I will give it a toss up right now between the Eagles and the Vikings as the best team in the NFC. I won't go all of football because I do think the chiefs are really good. The Steelers are really good. Um, I, I don't want to disagree with Bryce in Brooklyn because you know, he'll, he'll bring the pain if we disagree with him. but <laughs> I don't think that the Patriots, the Patriots have the track record, but this year the Patriots are not uh, the best team in the AFC to this point. So even though they're five and two, that's a that's a tenuous five and two. I actually do trust the, the Chiefs and the Steelers both a little bit more than the Patriots right now. So I'd go, you know, Chiefs, Steelers, Patriots, Eagles, Vikings, Rams. Oh God, that hurt! Boy, that really hurts to say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But I know how much you talked on the last show about how much you hate the Eagles, so I definitely wanted to give you your forum to get into the Eagles and, and yeah, a, a fair know, assessment of, of what this, Philadelphia actually is. This is this is why I don't watch pregame shows, because they do one of these fluff pieces on, on Carson Wentz before the game about him and, and, and this little kid who died of cancer. And damn it, I liked him just a little bit more when it was over. Ah, see, that's why they do it. They get that humanity see, going, and, I, and now you, and, and I, and, now you want to root for them. Here's the problem: is I'm standing there and I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, you know, because of being a parent, or anybody who's just got a heart, you know, and you're just watching this, and you're like, you know, you, it, it starts getting to you. And you're watching it, you get it, and you're just like, and I realize this is the, not the thing. Is I know it's happening. I'm like, God damn you, ESPN! I know <laughs> what you're doing to me right now, but I hated him a little bit less. That's when the it was one of those pieces to humanize and, and, the gladiators. Yeah, 
And then he goes out and, and balls out against the Redskins. That throw that he mm-hmm. made to the running back in the end zone, to that Clement kid, um, yeah. you know it's the play I'm talking about. I mean, he's got yeah. like three dudes hanging on him. He's dancing around. He's about to just get annihilated. And I don't know how he sees anybody, but just at a split moment, sees this guy on this flashing on this sort of like, you know, running back sort of wheeling out on this go route into the end zone, into the corner, and just flicks the ball out there perfectly and then gets crushed. And ball just drops in for the touchdown. I was like, wow. I mean, that was one of the most impressive throws I've seen. I, I mean, maybe not just this year. I mean, that, that's one you remember. That's what and, makes uh, me like him a little more other than uh, not the fluff. I don't watch the fluff. Yeah. He, <laughs> he played. I'll give it to him. He, he, he played really well. That was the second best throw of the uh, second best play of the night. That Houdini act to not go down on the blitz and and run oh. for seventeen yards that he did later yeah. on. I couldn't believe yeah. what I was watching there. That was that was demoralizing, man, because the skins were trying to compete and hang in there, and then that See, that's happens. That's why that and... one <laughs> that one stung you because you were trying to get the Redskins to stay within, oh. within the number. They were. It was a game. They were competing, and then yeah. that drive happened. That that play was followed by great throws to Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, and the touchdown to Nelson Aguilar. That's where they started doing the MVP chants in the stadium. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. This is just, yeah. oh, so just, just a perfect about, cap to my weekend there. Well, think about the really good quarterback play that we saw this last week. Just, just think about it for a minute. Carson Wentz, Alex Smith, Blake Bortles, that one. Jared Goff. I mean, Derek Carr. I mean, you know, only one of those guys is a is a is a veteran, and that's and, and I mean, Derek Carr's only in his third or fourth year. Alex Smith's you right. know the old guy of that group. I maybe we're slowly starting to see that next generation. I mean, Dak Prescott. You know, we're still slowly starting to see that sort of next generation of 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 quarterbacks coming up. Because it was all on display right there this last week. Now, it's all about the consistency, of course, because how many more 300-yard games do you see Blake Bortles having in his career? But just the fact that his name was in the conversation. He didn't go 4 of 7 in the game. (laughs) No, he didn't. Well, guess what? If Trubisky was playing against the Colts uh, secondary, (laughs) he would have thrown more than 7 times. He might have. Those guys, I would have been open against the Colts secondary. They were leaving everyone wide open. Yeah, because when the Colts are only seven games in and their point differential is minus a buck oh three, that's worse than Cleveland. Well, that's how fucked up the NFL is this year. That's a team we talked specifically about how they compete. Minus one. <laughs> well, this is why you went three and ten, and I went, you know, and I'm where oh, I am. God, they've won two games. I know. They've won two games. Yeah. They're giving up over thirty points a game, easily, well clear of giving up thirty points a game um, in Indy. But they've won. You know, they've one more games, uh, you know, than they've won two more games than Cleveland. 
They've won two more games than San Francisco. They've won a game more than the Giants. Uh, all those teams statistically, even just point differential-wise at least, are much better than minus 103. So when the, when the Colts lose, they really lose. They lose bad. Uh, the always forgotten, at least it seems like to me, always forgotten guy when we talk about quarterbacks in the NFL, the guy that already has a ring but seems to sort of fall under the shadows is, is the man up in the Pacific Northwest who yeah. led his team uh, off the bye to a victory over the Giants where they were not looking very impressive and all of a sudden sort of exploded uh, for a bunch of points. Russell Wilson. Paul uh, another loss, Richardson. Another loss That's by me. Paul Richardson. Time for another version of What is a Catch? <laughs> it feels like a game show every week. Well, I don't know what the fuck a catch is anymore. Although that was very much like the uh, the fail Mary play with the two guys that have possession and the referee sort of going, um, uh, 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 uh I don't know. What, what did you see? I, I don't know. I don't. What, what did you see? I don't know. I uh, uh, touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, touchdown. He, he had clear position. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. No idea. But it's almost as bad as some of the umpires guessing at balls and strikes. You don't know. You just guessing. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of these were the catchers just blocking the plate. I mean, the guy Gump can't even see the <laughs> the ball all the way in. But um, yeah, strike. <laughs> He's doing a little, doing a little, doing a little Enrico Palazzo there. Yeah, we'll have to get that in the uh, in the queue as well. But yeah, it, uh, that that was another one I was on board with because, uh, but that was a game that was in question for at least for the first half, and then the Seahawks just slowly started pulling away. But you know, Russell Wilson's still running for his life. Do you trust them? Ah, trust is a hard one. I almost feel like I have to. Again, it's easy to forget. That's my Super Bowl champ. That's the team I picked to actually win the fucking ring this year. Um, And it looked like they were destroying the Giants in the first half, but all those drops and miscues by uh, Seattle is what seemed to keep it close. And then they get the touchdown that they didn't actually catch. So I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. But it's every every highlight and every every play I see of the of the Seahawks on offense is Russell Wilson running for his life and no running game. Seattle yeah, was because Russell Wilson was healthy enough to run for his life. I know the offensive line is still shit. I know they can't block for him. I can see that, but because he can actually fend for himself with his feet, it's the only reason I picked Seattle to have some success. Okay, fair enough. Did you see that Jimmy Graham? Did you see that drop that Jimmy Graham had? Oh. Those drops, multiple. Oh my! That's what was keeping New York around. Yeah, your quarterback. You had a couple of them. Breaks, breaks, contain. Gets out and floats. And again, Russell Wilson. I will give him all the credit in the world when he breaks out of the pocket. He is looking for the home run. Very. Uh, we've talked about this with Deshaun Watson. Very similar quarterbacks. Um, although Watson's got much more of an arm. But Russell throws that really pretty deep ball, and he throws one down the field to Jimmy Graham. Hits him wide open. 
right in stride, right, you know, right, but it's kind of like right on his hip. All he's got to do is just catch and turn, and uh, yeah, and just you start, you know, that's what happens. You start running with the ball before you've caught it, and uh, that's why when I remember watching that uh, Bears Packers division winning game for the Packers when Aaron Rodgers threw that fourth down bomb to Randall Cobb where he was so wide of the Bears cover zero. That's mm-hmm. the fear. Somebody's that wide open, you see a lot of those get dropped. Yeah, you just get nervous and, and you it's floating right into your hands yeah. and there's nobody around and you're sort of thinking about yeah. the Madden cover and the, the groupies after the game and all the <laughs> interviews and oops, you didn't look the ball into your hands. Well, I know what's – but here's the thing that you're thinking. When the ball – when you're that wide open and you can't believe you're that wide open, you start having the thoughts, don't drop it, don't drop it, don't – right? And and then you drop it because you're not thinking <laughs> as a guy trying to do his job anymore. You're thinking as a guy trying not to fuck up. Having never been that wide open, I also think it'd be a little bit of it's the NFL and there are so many fast athletes around – you're looking around wondering, am I not seeing somebody about to come absolutely murder me? Am I <laughs> am I really this wide open? Is somebody about to come clean my clock or what? Yeah, but how often do you see it? We see it in every sport where there's that guy who will make the amazing play and then just totally screw up the routine one. I believe that was Sean Dunstan when I was growing up. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Don't let him. Uh, don't let him have too much time when he feels that ball at shortstop because he is guaranteed to bulldog it right into the grass. Yeah. Or throw it. You know, twelve rows up into the seats. <laughs> no, that would be Mike Caruso on the other side of town. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, there's the, oh. there's those guys. Devontae Adams has had that reputation up here in Green Bay. Um, as being that guy who will go up and make the circus catch, but if he's wide open, he's going to drop it. Mm-hmm. Packers yeah, have got the dropsies been... too. Mar- Martellus Bennett has been pretty useless since he's gotten here. When balls yeah. are thrown his way, he's putting them on the ground. Um, yeah. Well, we talked but, about yeah, Amari those... Cooper the first month of the year, and he found yeah, it it through, through six weeks, that was Amari Cooper. I mean, Amari Cooper had that one. Was that against the Titans? Where it was right there on the goal line, and he just oh yeah, quick slant and just whoops, <laughs> just pretty much looked like he was batting it towards the ground, like he was playing defense. Had a ton of them. He was, I believe, he was leading the league in drops before uh, Thursday night. Yeah. And and he, he may yeah. still be. He he made up for it a little bit. Ra- Raiders, the Raiders <laughs> still have some work to do here. What about okay? I didn't catch a lot of it. But what what's going on with the Broncos, man? <laughs> Wow, Are you want me to answer that one? I I can't answer for that. Um, did Trevor Trevor after two games look look amazing? Yeah, he did, and probably was getting a lot of uh, uh, maybe that MVP talk, but getting a lot of the hype that some of the guys get after some of these games, where it's like, okay, just rain it in, rain. It. He's not that. He's not quite that good. I know he's had some impressive performances, but he's not quite that. So uh, it also doesn't help that he's one of the best possession receivers in football. Emmanuel Sanders was not uh, playing in that game. And everyone sort of has new roles when you have him go down. Everyone else has to fill in and do things that they're not used to doing. And 
It looked like he didn't – Simeon didn't play well from the highlights that I saw, but he didn't have a lot of help. Um, so it wasn't all on him. And I, I think just like he shouldn't have gotten as much credit as he did for those first few wins of the season, he, he also shouldn't be getting blamed as much for uh, the, the bad play lately. I think he's uh, he, he his talent around him isn't as good as I think people think it is. Demarius Thomas is a very good wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders is a very good wide receiver. Everybody else around him is sort of like, eh, you know, they can have good games and they can have bad games. And the running attack has been inconsistent as well because T.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles were a very good tandem the first few weeks of the year, and they've fallen off as well. That's going to be another stat of my little comparison stats of what these teams have been doing in the last three weeks, whether where they're trending uh, is going to be a big part of my show on uh, Saturday night. So you've been forewarned, everybody. Uh, well, that's usually, we're at that we're at that point in the season where you start to go stat happy. So it's okay. And I need and I need to after what just happened this past week. I need to go stat happy because this is ridiculous. Uh, but that'll definitely be part of it is uh, the Broncos are trending the wrong way on on all of their offensive numbers, and they weren't that good to begin with. So. It's not, it shouldn't be all that surprising, but I don't think they're this bad either. I don't need to see the numbers to know that the Broncos are trending the wrong way on offense. <laughs> it, it shows up on the, numbers, on the be, screen as well. <laughs> I'd be stunned if the numbers didn't support that. I'm looking for the numbers that tell the story that you don't expect. I, I, you know, The numbers that I think are the important ones are the ones that go against what we're seeing or what we're thinking. We know the Broncos' offense has been shitty, so I expect those numbers to be bad. You know, so it's I'll be interested to hear the numbers that maybe tell a different story than what we've been thinking, um, or maybe some teams that we've been wrong on, and the numbers actually do bear that out. Those are the stories I'm looking more forward to than the ones we know, like oh, you know, the 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 Colts' defense is shitty, and the numbers bear it out. Oh, really? <sighs> Well, I mean, for for me, it's I got to get back to the basics. It, that might be self-evident, <laughs> but I, I sort of need to reinforce that for myself. So those yeah. are just as important as the ones that might be surprising to me. Yeah, well, yeah, because then you want that, you know, sometimes you'll want that affirmation that, well, you know, right. maybe I would, you know, you know, but, you know, numbers are what they are. Because you could get affirmation, though, on a team that we've still been picking wrong because you could have all the numbers in the world and somebody can still go out there and blow a spread. You know, if we were, if we were picking straight up, it would be a lot easier. I don't know about a lot easier. That would be a lot I mean, easier. Have... But this year, no. This year, picking straight up would even be a chore. How many more yards of offense did the Panthers have over the Bears and still found a way to lose by 14 points? <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those. Don't look at the box score. Don't look at that box score. There's no predicting that. Cam Newton would let the Bears win playing like that. That that that, that, that was a perfect Cam Newton loss because he pulls that off sometimes. Where he just looks like he doesn't want to be there, and it's like, what are you doing out there? So, I there's no predicting sometimes some of these teams. I don't know what he's going to do from week to week. I don't know what Joe Flacco is going to do. None of the numbers that I study is going to answer uh, why Cam Newton and, and Joe Flacco and to an extent Ben Roethlisberger and some of these guys have been so inconsistent this year. That's just, you know, you just sort of throw your hands up and wait for these guys to sort of emerge as the season goes on and start playing the way they're supposed to play. And we're not even at the halfway point yet. 
Can I brag about a couple of things? We're we're close up there. Brag about a couple of things that I that I said correctly. Uh, I, I said that Minnesota would have success against Baltimore because you can run it up the gut. Except I said the wrong guy. I said Jarek McKinnon could run it up their their gut and have a lot of success, and it wasn't him. It was Latavius Murray going yeah. right up the middle with nobody around him. The, the Ravens are not the old Ravens. They are not defending the run the way they used to do. They're still decent uh, against the pass, but they're soft in the middle right now. I don't know if they're going to be able to fix that. Yeah, that was another one of those. That was a game where the Ravens hung around for a long time in that game, too, but you just watched the Vikings, just like the Vikings did against the Packers the week before. They just wear you out. It's And again, it's not pretty. You know, they're not they're not flashy. They're, they're not, you know, but got to give all the kudos in the world right now to the Minnesota Vikings. They're doing it without their starting quarterback, without their rookie running back, and they're doing it without Stephon Diggs. And they're still winning games. They're having success at home. They're, they're holding up. The defense is really holding up their end. Uh, yeah. They're going to get some uh, more games on the road. As they, They've had a, a home schedule uh, sort of slanted their way early in the year. That was their fifth uh, home yeah. game already this season. Yeah, they've only so had two we'll, on the road. We'll get to see what uh, what they're made of as they start going on the road more. Uh, and then the, what what does tanking look like? Here's what tanking looks like. Tanking looks like the Jets having a 28-14 lead on the Dolphins and finding a way, and knocking the starting quarterback out of the game uh, at the same time and yeah. still finding a way to, to get a push and lose the game straight up. Now that, that, that's not a win for me, but nonetheless, that's what I said the Jets were going to start tanking after this Patriots game. And that's exactly what they did. They went up 28 to 14 on Miami and still found a way to lose the game. Because when you tank, that's what happens. Even when you turn in a good effort, you find a way to, hello, you play to lose the game. That's what happens when you tank. So good job out of the Jets for finding a way to lose 31 is not quite a tank job. Yeah, 28 to 14 lead and losing is a, is a tank job. That's how you tank. It's not always getting destroyed. Well, Right, but it wasn't Tanking like they didn't show up. They showed up. They showed up. They were they were present. It was a push. So was the the outcome was exactly what it should have been. Right. I mean, it was basically it was a, it was a zero when it all ends up being said and done. But yeah, being up twenty eight for that interception that Jake McCrown threw at the end of the game oh. to give the <laughs> oh my god. You could play the Benny Hill music for that one. It was terrible. It was, it, was, it was hideous. That is going to be one that I'm filing <laughs> away in the memory bank for possible worst play of the year. In that situation, to throw a ball that badly, and we've had a lot of plays that could go down as worst play, but that stands out. That that play is also in, what tanking looks like. Thank you very much. Inside, inside your 10-yard line, you, you're just looking for anything right now. I'm not even listening to you. Uh, inside your own 10-yard <laughs> line. Uh, you went 3-10 and 10 last week. Shut up. <laughs> I'm talking about what I did right. That that one, I I told you they're going to take. It only took you an hour and a half into the show. I'll give it to you, I guess. It's all about me. That's right. Took you 90 minutes to find that glimmer. <laughs> God, hey. 
there's so much that I could talk about that I did wrong. I'm just, I'm just trying to clap. Thank you for the slow clap. Yeah, I, I heard that. Uh, there's, there's so much terrible that I did. I'm just trying to talk about the little bit that I did okay. correct. All right. Because you, you can't stop. <laughs> you can't stop. It's all. I can't help it. I got to talk about the, the, the okay. few things it's, that I did correct. Hey, we have a radio show. We got to at least pat ourselves on the back, right? Even when we go three and ten. I, even when I have shitty weeks, I find something good, you know, in it. it, it you have to, because if you don't, you'll just cry and be like, what am I doing? What am I doing this for? But, <laughs> yeah, inside your own 10-yard line, to throw a ball that badly thrown, ugh, it's just, you're just watching this in slow motion. It was like watching a train wreck. That That's what the Jets are. That, that's not tanking. That's the train wreck. That That's what we keep waiting for. You know, I know you've got your, uh, I know you've got your, there it is. Off the rails. There it is. Keep the ground for you. That's what it was. Giving me the great push, and I'll take it. Because it's yeah, all about me. You know, we, we, how often? How often on this? How often on this show do we talk about sometimes a push is a win? That's exactly <laughs> what is. we're talking about when we talk about a push being a victory. Sometimes you just have to pull a push from the jaws of defeat. You don't have to win. You just have to not lose. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Uh, do you have anything else about this wonderful week before we put a bow on it? Uh, wonderful. I, I know you're being sarcastic. <laughs> that was it. Was it was pretty bad. I mean, let let. It, I, I hate to say we've been saying this a lot this season about the quality of. Of, of play that we're seeing on the field. I'm even starting to hear, uh, did you hear the Monday night guys talking about it at all? Did you watch any of the pregame? Oh, no. You start, you know, I was, I had it on at work, so it's not like I choose to, but I had it on at work and you're right. starting to, you're starting to hear like the Steve Youngs and those guys that are all up there and whatever you think of those guys, but they're talking about the, you know, the legislation of, you know, physicality out of the game, you know, and, and the, and the legislation of practice and how these, how these guys, they can't hit in practice. They have to have a certain amount of, you know, that they're basically in, in a game that requires precision, creating a ton of imprecision. And we're seeing a lot of just bad football, bad defense, bad quarterback play. And I, I was surprising to hear that all a lot of the ex players are saying that it's the rush to safety. They're like, it's a dangerous game. You're never. <laughs> it's almost like they're making it worse by trying to make it more safe. And that's an interesting. That's an interesting point. I don't even know if they're making it more safe. When you when you see, the amount of injury that we're seeing, you know, I, the concussion protocol thing and all that, I completely get. But they they, they were really on this. With the with the with the physicality even being either legislated out through the rules or through the CBA, and when the commentators are telling you you're watching a crap product, you got to start to think about it. So I'm not surprised that that's the tack that the players would take because they're players; they're the ones that yeah. choose for a living to run their heads into each other yeah. and give each other CTE. Like the guy, 
Like the guy who's going to die on the field for the Jets. Yes. So not, I'm not the Jamal Adams. I'm not surprised at all that that's the, the, the tag that they would take. Uh, as far as making the games, is it making the game safer, legislating all that? There's only, the, I think I've said this on this show. There's only one thing as far as I'm concerned that's going to make the game safer, and that's removing helmets and making it so that you can't run headfirst into somebody else yeah. or else you'll pretty much kill yourself instantly on the field. Although some guys are dumb enough to try to do that. Um, but there's no way you're going to make the game safer. The game is unsafe the way it is now, and it's always going to be unsafe, especially as yeah. guys get stronger and faster over the years. They're not going to get slower uh, in you know 2030 or 2040. The game's going to be faster then than it is now, if you can imagine it. But that's how uh, evolution happens. Uh, so you're not going to make it safe, and they don't want, and they don't really care to make it safe. They're only make uh, reg- uh, legislating all of these rules because they're scared to death of all the lawsuits that former players are bringing in their families, and they're trying to do something where they can point and go, "See, we we tried to improve. We tried to improve the game. See, look over there. Look at the the penalty for uh, grazing Tom Brady's helmet barely, and and." totally turning the tide of a, of a game potentially. See, we tried to make it safer. There, 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 there's no way to make it safer. Oh. We, had another, we had another roughing the passer yes. call on a sack this week, too. Oh, <laughs> that's not a surprise. Yeah, that was that one. It wasn't roughing the passer or a, I mean, it wasn't illegal. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a big hit. Football. But it wasn't dirty. And it, it was a sack, and they called roughing the passer. Oh, okay. Um, so I love that. And then uh, the one highlight from the talking about just but the stupidity and the the, the the players even sometimes playing stupid, causing the injury. You know, the, there was the highlight this week, and I can't remember who the guy was. Was it Landry? Who was the guy who jumped over the defender? I think that was in the Miami game, right? Oh, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, who, who jumped over the Jets defender? And when you watch that play. It, and when, especially when they slow it down and they show that like sort of from the sideline view of him jumping over the guy. Do you know what you see him jumping over? You see him jumping over a Jets player with his head completely down, pushing forward like he's trying to tackle the dude with his head, the top of his head. That's what they yeah. – there it is right there. That's what – first of all, it's what allows your dumbass to get jumped over because you're looking right. at the ground and you're not – you don't have your head up trying to make a tackle – so tackling is also part of the problem is these guys just don't go out and, and tackle correctly. You know, you, you don't tackle with the top of your head. You do if you're a jet and you're tanking. See what I did? No. Oh, boy. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> I'll stop the pain. What if the Jets had lost by two and I won that pick? <laughs> Would you still be patting yourself on the back? Um, not nearly as loudly. Okay. That one point makes a whole difference, huh? Yes. Okay. When you're three and 10, Another you thing. are grasping. I get it. I get, I've been there. I've been there. But that's the thing is this year you were doing so awesome. I was just doing this one game below 500, two game below 500 thing. You went all in this week, my friend. More like all out. Ugh. <laughs> you don't want to, yeah. Don't don't start piling those up. There's there's some good advice for you. Don't start no. throwing up too many three and tens. Those are ugly. Those hurt. I've been. We've both been there. 
I've been there many times. You just when you when you sit there and you go, if I had just flipped all my picks, I'd right. be a superstar. But I've just seen Blake Bortles throwing for three hundred and the Jaguars running for almost two hundred without Leonard with Fournette. Chris Ivory. With Chris Ivory. And TJ Yeldon was all like, he's he's That I did not get a chance to talk about. I saw that when I looked at the box score. I was like, yeah. I didn't realize TJ Yeldon was still in the league. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there he is. On the scene. Yeah. It's zombie running backs now. <laughs> I no explanation. None whatsoever. I have nothing else to say about uh, this week. I'm I'm putting it to bed. I'm done with Okay, it. I I'm I'm done too. We'll we'll start week eight in a couple days. Yes. Need a fresh start as quick as possible. Uh, so we're looking at Saturday night at nine uh, at the moment. I uh, yeah, as far as I know, I don't see any reason why not. Friday would actually not be a good night for me this week because I'm off on Friday, so I actually have a, a a Friday home. So I'd actually almost prefer to do it Saturday. So Saturday night, nine p.m. I'll be there. Oh, Dodgers uh, three to one win tonight. Go up one nothing in the yeah. World Series on the Astros. Almost, but that's just, that's expected. It's Kershaw. Yep. Now the series starts. Now the series starts for real. So yeah, spooky show coming up on uh, on Saturday. The uh, the Halloween special where we highlight some of the teams that are at the bottom of the league and get to give them their scary spooky highlight. So we'll they're sending off. Always have fun with that. It's <laughs> they're sending off into the into the wilderness. No, uh, no church in the wild for those teams. He is Jay. I am Jay. I've been in much less detail on the podcast. Thank you all for listening to our bitching about this terrible, terrible week seven. Well, mostly my bitching. So horror. And we'll be back to or and we'll be try we'll try to rectify the situation and do much better coming up on Saturday night, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern, as we pick the rest of week seven. In the NFL, we will talk to you then. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.